Good morning. Let's give Julie a hand, you guys. We are so, so blessed to have just such amazing worship each week here at Crossings. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Jenny Brown, and I'm the director of Crossings 56. You know, I walked into this building for the first time about 13 years ago. My boyfriend's mom had invited me here. I was pregnant, not married, and I was an addict. My story is one of redemption and recovery. I was raised in a home with other addicts, and I never really felt noticed or loved. But the love, kindness, and goodness that I was shown by my, by my boyfriend's mom was something I had never experienced before. Really, I wondered why would she invite me here? I'm pretty sure she had a lot of friends here and I didn't know why she wanted to be seen with me or even associated with me. When I walked in that first time, I was covered with my shame, with my sins, like the weight of it was heavy. I felt like everyone was looking at me. I had this bump. I'm sure my hair was probably greasy. <laughs> it was really uncomfortable. Have you guys walked into the sanctuary before? <laughs> the place is huge. So I walked in and I was so thankful that she wasn't sitting up front. <laughs> so I only had to walk to like the sixth row in the back. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I got an out. <laughs> but from the moment, the choir stood up and sang. I was overwhelmed with love I had never experienced before. I immediately felt a sense of peace and calmness that I had never known. What I know now, that beautiful feeling, that was the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit taking root inside of me. I'd like to say that, man, it was so great after that. <laughs> I'm here, right? <laughs> but there was a whole long process after that. You know, I had my baby, and then I went back to my old habits, those harmful, those harmful ones. But remember, that Holy Spirit made, made its home inside me. It took root. And those old harmful habits, they didn't feel as good as they used to. The Holy Spirit didn't let me rest. When my daughter was about a year, o year old, I left my boyfriend. We went to court over custody of our daughter. And in the court papers, we included that we'll meet at the church he grew up in in Midwest City. It was close for both of us to meet at. And so briefly, we attended that church. We didn't have to go inside. And really, just so you guys are clear, we didn't sit together. <laughs> he sat over here. I sat over here. We really just kind of, that was our swapping place. But the first time I stepped foot into that church, I met this lady. She was awesome. She was so sweet. She came up to me, gave me a big hug, said she's glad I was there. I wasn't even glad I was there. <laughs> But she made me feel so welcome. And for two years, Stacy never left my side. God used her 
to show me his kindness and goodness. In this study, we're talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And today, I get to share with you about kindness and goodness. To start, I want to make sure we understand what kindness and goodness really are when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. The kindness Paul is referring to in our anchor verse from Galatians 22, or from Galatians 5, verses 22, comes from a Greek word that translates to mean fit for use. So think about that for a second. When the original hearers heard kindness, whatever that Greek word was, they're hearing fit for use. I don't think I would ever associate the word kindness with fit for use. It also means virtuous and good as a quality of purity, but also as a gracious disposition of character, attitudes, and moral integrity. It encompasses tenderness, compassion, and sweetness. Kindness has a full spectrum of meaning. It is an attitude that comes from your heart and leads you to do good for others. Like my boyfriend's mom who invited me to church that first time. You know, sometimes I stop and think, if my daughter were to bring someone home that looked like me or acted like me, would I show them that same kindness? Would I stop and think, hey, you want to come to church with me? As Christians, we should choose to be kind and to serve others. It's because we understand God's kindness toward us. As we mature, his kindness grows in us through the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at goodness. Goodness comes from a Greek word that translates to mean uprightness of heart and life. God is the original definition of good. He is good in and of himself. It's not something he has to try to do. It's part of who he is. The word goodness means to be like God. This doesn't mean we become a God. It just means that as we remain in Christ and the fruit of goodness continues to grow in us, our nature will change to look more and more like Jesus. The Bible talks about the goodness of God as part of his character. Again, it's not something he does, it's who he is. As we continue to become new creations, becoming more like Christ, goodness can become more ingrained in us too. It can define us as well. Instead of being motivated to do good because we want rewards, we do good because we've allowed the Holy Spirit to change our hearts. When I think of an example of what God's kindness and goodness looks like, I can't help but think of my friend Stacy. You know that one I met at that little church? The one who was so nice with my greasy hair? <laughs> now it's just gray. <laughs> Stacy was so influential in my early spiritual growth. She was great at holding me accountable. She would call me up every other week to see what I was doing. If my answer wasn't suitable or convincing, she would show up 45 minutes later. She'd drive from Edmond to Midwest City just to come and check on me. 
sometimes she'd have her kids in tow. And each time she had this plan, this activity for us to do. One time it was, hey, we're gonna totally redo your flower bed. And as we dug up weeds, we would talk about God and his word. Or, hey, you know what? Your kitchen cabinets need reorganized. I don't usually have my soup cans all facing one way. I don't know about you guys, but Stacy liked it that way. <laughs> Either she just didn't want to look me in the eye when we were talking. I still don't know. <laughs> but there was always an activity associated around it, and she always brought it back to Christ. I remember one time I was super stressed out. It was one of those days that she didn't even call. She just showed up. And I was having a really bad day. I was taking these college classes. Well, see, I, I got my GED in the 90s. I never went to high school. And so with this whole new transformation that God was doing in me, I thought it'd be a good idea to get a college degree too, because you know, that's easy. <laughs> so I'm taking these remedial classes. If you don't know what remedial classes, it means you're working really hard for no credits. So that's what I was doing, and I wasn't doing very well at it at first. So on this particular day, I had failed a test. I was really upset. I was probably going through some withdrawals. I didn't have my daughter that week. And it was a really bad day. And so Stacy just shows up and she's like, all right, we're going grocery shopping. Because it's one of those things that Stacy does. She doesn't buy my groceries, but she makes sure I go and I buy the right things. I'm not buying Twinkies or cupcakes or she makes sure I put some fruit and vegetables in my basket. So the entire way, not like it was far, but on the way to Walmart, I'm complaining. While we're at Walmart, I'm complaining. I went from one issue to the next. First, all about school. Then about how quitting all those vices was just making me crazy. Then I settled in on how I was a terrible mom. I'm failing my daughter. I wasn't gonna succeed. I wasn't going to get my degree. I wasn't going to stay sober. And you know, she stops. She looks around. She said, you know, I've been in this Walmart before. I was like, really? Did you hear a single word I said? She goes, yeah. I, I've been in this very Walmart. The bathrooms, they're right over there. Again, I'm like, she's not hearing anything. I'm like breaking down here. I need her, her encouragement. She's like, yeah, it was a long time ago, but I was, I was in the same Walmart. Yeah, my daughter Reagan, her daughter was four at the time, was going through this independent stage where she wanted to do things on her own. So she said Reagan wanted to go to the bathroom by herself. And so she said she had had a really bad day, and she caved. She's like, all right, I'm going to let Reagan go to the bathroom all by herself. But she's standing right outside the bathroom door. So Reagan's in there, but mom, Stacy's standing right outside the doors. And she said she waited. She waited. She said it felt like a really long time. But then Reagan comes out, big smile on her face, hands up. Hey, mom, like big hug. Stacy's super excited, gives her a hug. And then that's when Stacy notices. Reagan's chewing gum. Reagan did not walk into that bathroom chewing gum. <laughs> Reagan had picked up a piece of chewed up gum off the Walmart bathroom floor and was chewing it. I was like, all right, 
Well, just for a split second, I was like, I'm a better mom than Stacy. <laughs> just kidding. I definitely didn't say that, but I really did think it for a second. But she said, at that moment, I failed my daughter. She said, I'm going to fail you sometime too. She said, you're going to fail your daughter at some point. She said, but you know what? God is so good that he will never fail you. He will never let you down. Right there, that was Stacy showing me God's kindness. She didn't meet me where I was at. She didn't handle the frustration the same way I was. She could have handled it totally different. She humbled herself and showed me her struggles and showed me God's love through her kindness. She didn't make me feel like my problems were small. She didn't judge me. She didn't make me feel small. You know, we're all going to let our kids, our friends, our coworkers, our spouses, we're all going to let someone down at some point in our lives. But God, God is so good. He will never let us down. Her kindness showed me Jesus. And even though Stacy may not have been aware of it, she was letting the Holy Spirit lead her. Because of Stacy's example and how intentional she was with me, I was able to see God's goodness and love for me. And I really believed it was only through God's goodness and kindness, kindness that someone could actually care for me. I was at that point in my life where it could have only been God that would send someone to love me. She gave me an example of how I should live out my faith. And I really, I thank God for her example in my life every day. As we consider her good works, let's look at Matthew 5.16. As others see our good works, they will praise our Father in heaven. That verse right there is where we want to end up today. We want others to praise our Heavenly Father because of how we have shown His goodness and kindness through the fruit of our lives. Let's look at what happened just before this passage. In Matthew 5, Jesus was delivering one of his most memorable messages, the Sermon on the Mount. First, I want to give you a little glimpse into Matthew, just so that we can see like why his story is valid. First, let me just say he was there when they gave the Sermon on the Mount. So, But Matthew also, when Jesus said, come follow me, he did. He didn't hesitate. He left an awesome lifestyle full of, you know, lots of riches and prestige to go and live in not-so-nice areas. When Jesus said, follow me, Matthew did it. So he was there when Jesus delivered the famous message on the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus made it clear, first, that the law is not just a list of rules. It penetrates every aspect of our lives. Second, Jesus made it clear 
that the spirit of the law affects attitudes and thoughts. And third, we are meant to have an impact on the world for the kingdom, not just here to enjoy the benefits. Please follow along with me as we read, as we read from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Now, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. It's part of the Gospels. So if you need to look in your table of contents, go ahead. I use the table of contents because I don't know how to put those little sticky tabs on right. So go ahead, look it up if you need to. So Matthew 5, 13 in the English Standard Version says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We're going to break those three verses down a bit. So let's go back to the first one, verse 13. I'm going to read it in the message version, but you're going to see the English Standard Version. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Jesus was telling his disciples that if you don't live like a disciple, you're worth as little as tasteless salt. So how does being the salt of the earth relate to your everyday life? Most people assume that salt adds flavor to food. But what really happened is flavors released by the breaking down of the cell walls. As the cells break down, this process releases this unique aroma and flavor in food. This allows us to enjoy the natural flavors. Salt breaks down the walls and allows the natural flavors to come out. Jesus looked out at his, at his audience. He's looking at you too. He's telling you that you are the salt of the earth. He broke down the walls of sin in my life so I could have flavor. When I was living in sin, I was flavorless. I was a lot like that chewing gum on the Walmart bathroom floor, flavorless. I can only imagine, I didn't try it. I was not salty and I didn't even realize it. When I first came to church here, the lifestyle looked so easy. I mean, you guys should pat yourself on the back. You make it look good. Like, it, this is simple. Come to the other side. <laughs> it looked a little boring, but <laughs> from what I was used to. <laughs> but I quickly learned it wasn't either of those things. It wasn't boring, and it wasn't easy. And it's not supposed to be. I knew I couldn't do it on my own. And I wasn't supposed to do it on my own. I needed the Holy Spirit. And I needed people like Stacy in my life. I needed salty people to bring out my flavor. 
Jesus told his listeners, you are the salt of the earth. And he's telling you, you are the salt of the earth. As his followers, we are to enhance the world around us. But he didn't stop there. Jesus also said we are to be light. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are designed to uplift, to bring light, and to glorify our Father. You know, in Jesus' time, they used these small oil lamps as light in the average home, and those homes didn't have very many windows. I bet it was pretty dark in there. These small lamps were more effective when they were set up high on a lampstand. Something large like a bowl put over it would extinguish the light or at least diminish it. As Christians, we are called to not only walk in the light, but to be the light for others. Okay, now, I'm, wait, first, are there any physics majors in the room? <laughs> no, good, okay. <laughs> don't write this part down. <laughs> so I'm not a physics major, and I don't play one on TV, in case you're going there. <laughs> but I do know a little bit about light. Well, light, pure light, like the light that comes from the sun, is actually made of a mixture of different frequencies. Uh, Isaac Newton did lots of research and experiments with prisms and bright lights. But when light is passed through a prism, the different frequencies of light refract different amounts, and then it results in a whole spectrum of color. So the way that this makes most sense to me is, any Pink Floyd fans in here? <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> okay. But so the dark side of the moon, one of their famous albums, has this prism where it has this white light, that pure light going through the prism. It refracts around, it hits two walls, and then it comes out the other side, and it's this whole ray, like a rainbow of colors. That white light, that pure light, that's like Jesus entering inside of us. And after he bounces around and refracts and bends and does all that stuff, he should come out a full spectrum of color and hit everyone around us. They should all be able to see his color shining through us. You can buy Pink Floyd on Amazon. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> or at least look it up and see what I'm talking about. You need a visual. <laughs> Light doesn't wait around, choosing the right time to express, to express itself. Neither does salt, and neither should our faith. It should make an impact on the surroundings at all times. We're supposed to be different, flavorful, light-giving. Instead of responding in kind, we're supposed to be kind. We're to influence others to turn to him. When we give our lives to Jesus, something powerful has happened. He has saved us, forgiven us of our sins, changed our hearts, and given us new hope. He has made us flavorful light bearers. Wherever salt and light are, 
they changed their environment. Jesus was telling his disciples, you're going to make an impact. You will influence the world. Remember Stacy? How could you forget, right? Well, God is so good. She's still around. She was maid of honor when I got married. She was there when I had my second child. Saw her poop for the first time. <laughs> the woman who invited me to church, she's now my mother-in-law. That's how good our Heavenly Father is. He restored what was broken, and he used his people to help him do it. Here's a picture of my family. And the next slide is a picture of me and my mother-in-law. Oh, I'm glad that one's messed up. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> All right, so through the years, I've always thought of Stacy as being salt and light, especially, especially during those really dark, difficult early days of sobriety and faith. About a year ago, she came here to one of Anna's games. She played soccer with Tiff Hill. I don't know if any of you had your kids in the athletic program, but it's great. So she came to watch Anna play soccer, and I was showing her around. I showed her my office and the gym where all the students meet with me on Sundays. And I told her how impactful she had been in those early days to me and how much she influenced my spiritual growth. And she said, I never knew that. I had no idea I encouraged you so much. She said, see, when you walked in that door, I had just been remarried to a man where him and his wife had attended that church their whole life. It was a really small church and all those women were not letting me in. They were friends with the ex-wife. And I felt really alone and disconnected and I was just praying for a connection from somewhere. She goes, and then there you were. <laughs> really, I thought she was the welcoming committee. <laughs> you know, like how they sent someone in. I wasn't it at all. We just happened, not just happened, God knew what he was doing when he placed each other in the past. But I had no idea he was using me and my brokenness to answer her prayers while he was using her to answer mine. God's goodness was working in both of our lives. God's goodness never fails and will run after you all the days of your life. See, God used so many people to show me how good and loving he truly is. He used others to show me his love and goodness, which transformed my entire life. From my now mother-in-law, who has always shown me kindness, never rebuking or judging me, to Stacy, who always speaks God's truth, whether we're mowing the lawn or grocery shopping. I want you guys to just know that the Holy Spirit will give wisdom and he will never stop chasing after you. And Psalm 23, 6 says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. From the beginning, our Heavenly Father has actively pursued us, his children, so that his goodness, which defines who he is, would continue to define us as well. 
Remember how Stacy was always there? Even when I said, no, I'm busy, I don't need anything. Even when I ghosted her and wouldn't answer her phone calls, I said, no, no time to hang out, and she would just show up. I know that was our Heavenly Father. I know that was him telling her I needed her most. God may be using you right now in the life of someone around you, and you don't even realize it. I want to encourage you to embrace the goodness of God and let it flow through you so others may taste and see that he is good. In closing, I want to remind you of your homework. If you haven't done it, it's too late now, okay? But Psalm 107 from your homework says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. We're called to bring out flavor. To spread the gospel of Jesus. We all have a story. Let's not forget to thank him for that. Because you never know how God's going to be using your story as salt and light to someone else. Please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the women you've put here at Crossings. Their service shines the bright light of your son. Lord, guide them to use their story to keep that light alive. Send your Holy Spirit to work through each of us so that you'll forever be glorified. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, before you dismiss us, <laughs> before you dismiss to small groups, your table leaders have a bookmark for you and some gum. The gum is to remind you to not be flavorless. It won't last long, that gum. <laughs> it's to remind you don't be flavorless. The bookmark, write the name of someone that you can tell your story to this week. And then pray for that person as you have that bookmark in your Bible. Thank you, guys.